السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين بإذن الله today we will be going over the 28th juz and we will look at three stories or three places in this juz where Allah سبحانه وتعالى mentions certain stories or he speaks about the virtue of certain How are you, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, well, how's everything? Alhamdulillah, all well, and we hope everybody who's following are all well. MashaAllah, there's people who we've been seeing their names from the very beginning of Ramadan, and I think we've memorized them, MashaAllah. May Allah bless you, and may Allah bless all the others who we may not know. Shaykh inshallah, today we've got the 28 Jews. There's roughly three places or three ayat we want to touch on. The first is, or the first surah in the 28th Jews, known as Suratul Mujadalah or Suratul Mujadilah, depending on the way you look at it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically mentions the story of a woman who came to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mentioning what had occurred in her house between her and her husband. And then she wasn't sure, was she divorced, what happened? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of this story and this incident. He says, Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has heard the one or the lady who's come to you, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's mentioned her name was Khawla bint Tha'laba. And she came, she's come to ask you, and you know, there's a back and forth, you speaking, she, she's telling you something and you telling her back about a, an incident. What incident was this? Basically, her husband had uh, done what's called vihar. Vihar is where a person describes their wife as, you know, similar to somebody who is a mahram, basically saying that you are no longer permissible for me. So you are like the back of my mother or the back of my sister, for example. And this would in turn mean that this man is likening his wife to somebody who he is not allowed to get married to. So she thought that she might have been divorced. What's the ruling here? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that most definitely he has heard this conversation and he then speaks about the rulings regarding vihar. I think an important point to touch on here, whether it comes to vihar, whether it comes to, you know, talaq and divorce, sometimes a lot of people are, are quick to go into certain things and push them quickly. And after that, they then want to go and ask a scholar or they then want to go and ask somebody of knowledge, hoping and praying that there's some sort of loophole so they can come out or, you know, they can be saved, especially if it's to do with something like divorce. So I think we learn from this that, you know, the story as a whole, yes, at that time there was wahi, there was revelation. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam received the ruling straight from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, as the deen is complete and everything is there, you may not know the ruling, but you may say something which, uh, may Allah save us, but you may be separated from your spouse for a very long time. So I think we should be careful, especially with the words we choose. Sometimes you get upset, you get angry, you know, just hold it in or don't say something that's going to cause a big problem. Maybe address the issue after a little while. That's so true, you know, that, that's a, a very interesting uh, point there. 
because this person had actually done something and then you know subhanallah his wife went and found out the ruling later on etc and what i find amazing is that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to this and he said qad sami'allahu qawla allati tujadiluka fi zawjiha that allah heard the uh, argument or the you know the complaint of she who was complaining uh, regarding her husband or her spouse or the one who was complaining regarding her husband and spouse now aisha radiyallahu anha says that she was in the room at the time when this complainant came to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and she says i was i was in a place where i couldn't really hear the conversation that was going on between her and the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam yet allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from above the seven heavens responded to this now one that points to the power of the qualities of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know he heard even though aisha radiyallahu anha couldn't hear she was in the same room yet he from above the seven heavens responded uh, that's number one number two is that you see she was oppressed here so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded from above the seven heavens and this is something that we can all take away uh, from this that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears the call of the oppressed person so we should never oppress another human being we should never you know uh, commit an injustice against them because definitely allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears their calls uh, and when they call out the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says wattaqi da'wata al-mazlumi fa innahu laysa baynaha wa bayna allahi hijab and be careful of the uh, dua of the oppressed person for indeed there is no barrier between them and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so i think the what what i take away from this is that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to those who are oppressed and we should be very careful of oppressing a person we don't know what type of dua they might make against us that will actually affect our lives you know as you mentioned and all these stories we mention ultimately it's for a person yes story is nice it's good to know but ultimately it's so you become attached to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you realize and understand who he is what he's ordered you to do his names his qualities his attributes etc as you mentioned aisha radiyallahu anha says she herself was close by but she couldn't even hear and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from above the seven heavens he hears everything and he then reveals verses speaking about this ruling moving on shaykhana not really speaking about a particular story but we find allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the sahaba the companions radiyallahu anhum in one of the surahs that comes after what's important to mention is when it comes to the sahaba there's a few principles that we have to hold tight to when it comes to belief in who the sahaba were what they did we believe that they were the best of people the best of creation after the anbiya alayhim as-salatu was-salam after the messengers and we find that there are those from amongst them who were at the, the highest or the best of companions for example abu bakr as-siddiq radiyallahu anhu after that umar ibn al-khattab radiyallahu anhu so as muslims we believe that the sahaba radiyallahu anhum we believe in all of them being the companions of muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam as individuals it is possible for them you know to make a mistake commit a sin etc it is possible but as a whole we are talking about especially when it comes to the deen 
they themselves, they, you know, they conveyed the message. They didn't deceive Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam later on. Also, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of this. He says, uh, he speaks about the muhajirun, those who came from Mecca, and he praises them. He then speaks about those who they went to, the Ansar, those who were in Medina. Again, to, to, all Sahaba, all companions, some coming from Mecca, some in Medina, others from elsewhere. He then speaks about how we are supposed to deal with the topic of the Sahaba. He says, Those who come after, what do they say? Do they speak bad about the Sahaba? Do they say this or that? No. They make dua for them and they only speak goodness about the Sahaba. Oh Allah, forgive us. And those who came before us, they preceded us when it came to Iman. You know, don't give us any, don't put in our heart any hatred or envy towards those who have believed. And the very first who, who believed were the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Then, Rabbana innaka ra'ufur rahim. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who, you know, he's merciful, he forgives, etc. So anytime you find, especially when it comes to the Sahaba, especially after the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed on, you find that especially also in the books of history, there's a lot of things that have been mentioned which at times are not accurate in terms of the story. And even if some things were accurate, as Muslims, we know that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were mujtahideen. Basically, yes, sometimes they had their opinions and if they differed, what we believe, bi'ithnillah, that yes, they tried their best, they went according to the Quran and Sunnah, and they are between two rewards and one reward. So as for those who tried their best and they reached the correct answer, they have two rewards. As for those who tried their best and may have made a mistake, we still have good thoughts of them and we say they have one reward. It's not for us to speak bad about the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. And you find that everybody who's come to this or who starts speaking bad about the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, it's because there's a bigger picture or a bigger goal they want. If the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with the religion, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum then took from him and transmitted this to us. If you are able to cause doubt and speak bad about those who held the message, after that, the message itself falls. So the message itself, you would say that, you know what, there was something wrong with this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. Eventually, you get to a stage where you say that, you know what, the message itself, there's something wrong with it. So as Muslimun, we believe that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, you know, the all companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah jalla wa ala says, وَكُلَّمْ وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الْحُسْنَةِ Allah jalla wa ala has promised all of them, you know, husna, which is Jannah. And that is our belief. We say radiallahu anhum when it comes to all the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Radiallahu anhum, 100%. You know, uh, the deen definitely was transmitted by them. And it's, it's said that, you know, these people who speak bad about the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they wanted to speak bad about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself, but they couldn't because they knew he was too perfect to say something evil about him. So they chose those whom he, he loved and those who were close to him. And then they spoke bad about them and bad about them until... Uh, like you said, they can now distort the message of Islam and they can change and add and chop and change. So we believe that the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are the best of people after, after the Anbiya alayhi wa sallam like you.
uh, rightfully mentioned. Uh, so I find it interesting that, you know, because they couldn't attack him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they attacked those around him and, and tried to bring him down. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, have mercy upon the companions and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased uh, with them. Uh, this is the dua that we always uh, read after we say their names, radiyallahu anhum. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may he be pleased with them. So definitely, this is something that I think, you know, most Muslimin do believe uh, in the uh, virtue of the companions, radiyallahu anhum. Uh, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَنْصُرُونَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And they help Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الصَّادِقُونَ Those are the truthful ones. So, I wanted to focus on this part of the verse because what does truth have to do with what the companions were doing? And, as you know, sometimes someone might say that has to do with speech, etc. But there's a different type of truthfulness that is there. And that is the truthfulness between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your honesty with him, your straightforwardness with him, your uh, heart, you know, turning to him and opening up your entire life to him. Just being honest in your relationship with him, uh, this is something that sometimes we don't really consider when when talking about truthfulness or uh, you know honesty. So I think truthfulness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and being genuine in your relationship with him, you know, when you have a, a good friend, so to speak, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely has the highest of examples, uh, but to bring it closer to our minds, when you have a good friend and you have a relationship with them and you, you, you're you honest and loyal uh, with that person. When you've wronged that person, you go to them honestly, hey, I've wronged you. This is what's happened. This is how it is. And you move on from there. Uh, now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the highest of examples, but when we've wronged him or when we've disobeyed him, then we turn to him, we honest with him. Ya Allah, I've, I've done something wrong here. Uh, as far as I'm sure, I may be wrong. I turn to you, I return to you with the uh, ni'mah that you have uh, bestowed upon me. And I return to you with the sins that I have. Meaning I'm not hiding anything, Ya Allah. I can't hide anything from you. But yeah, I am. This is who I am. I'm an open book, open page. Oh Allah, forgive me. And this is known as Sayyidul Istighfar. person recites it in the morning and they pass away. As far as I'm sure, that's what the hadith says. Then they will be. Uh, forgiven and if before the evening and if they recite it in the evening and they pass away before the morning then they will be forgiven so uh, this is something that we can really uh, you know benefit from in, in this ayah where we are truthful with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yes ultimately and as you mentioned Sayyid al-Istighfar and where you mentioned Abu Ulaka bi ni'matika alayya basically Exactly as you said, it is that we're not hiding anything. Basically, we acknowledge all the ni'am and bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. We also acknowledge the fact that we've made a mistake, we've committed sin, and we ask Allah to forgive us. Moving on, we get to Surah Al-Tahreem. What's interesting in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, a few of the wives. He speaks about the wives of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He speaks about the wife or the, the wife of Nuh alayhi salam, the wife of Lut alayhi salam, and then the wife of Fir'aun, and lastly he speaks about uh, Maryam alayhi salam. In the surah, basically it's mentioned that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he visited some of his wives, because you know he was married more than once, 
the competition between the wives, etc. So they didn't want him, as mentioned in some of the books of Tafsir, some of the wives didn't want him to eat honey from the other wife's house. So they then told him, or they said that, you know what, your mouth has a different smell to it. He eventually took an oath not to eat honey there at the other wife's house. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Ya ayyuhal nabiyyu, lima tuharrimu ma ahallallahu lak? Oh, Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, why are you making something haram upon yourself? which was halal and permissible for you. Is it because you want, you know, the happiness or you want your wives to be happy with you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks about the whole incident. When there was talk in private between the Nabi and, you know, his wives, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, mentions what occurred. This story in itself, we find that, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, even who he was, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, if he made a mistake, he still corrected his mistake. And I think this can show us that definitely Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't make up the Quran because there are verses in the Quran more than one way Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala tells him that, you know, you made a mistake here or you did this which you shouldn't have done, you should have done it this way. So I think that in itself is a, a miracle to show that the Quran is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It came from him directly. Another interesting point, after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions some of the other wives, reprimanding the wives of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He tells them, you know, if you carry on, or you become a burden when it comes to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then Allah can bring others in your place, people better than you, wives, and give the messenger, etc. He then speaks about the wives of, uh, again, two messengers, two anbiya who disbelieved, Nuh alayhi salam and Lut alayhi salam. They themselves believed, but their wives, they refused to believe and they helped those who were disobeying and going against the messengers. He then speaks about a woman who is in the house of a tyrant, surrounded by one of the worst people to have lived in the history of, you know, the history of the time. He's the same person who said, Ana ala, I am your Lord the High. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions from this house, there was a believing woman who came. And Allah goes on to mention her in the Quran. So I think what we can, we can take a few things from this. Number one is your spouse or your family member, whoever they may be. They may be somebody good or even pious, but that doesn't necessarily mean you reach their level. Here, wives of Anbiya والسلام, refused to believe and they, you know, they rejected. At the same time, you could be in the worst of environments. You could be with the worst of people. We're not encouraging you to have bad company and to stick with bad people. No, you try and avoid that. But if you are, it doesn't mean it's impossible to believe. It doesn't mean it's impossible to do good deeds. It doesn't mean it's impossible for you to achieve. You know, so many, so many times people think that they are confined to those who they are. You know, I'm living in such and such a place. I have this environment. I can't do any good deeds. Yes, it plays a part. But ultimately, if you are truthful with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will be able to overcome that. The wife of Fir'aun is an example. Yes, absolutely. I was going to talk about the same point, subhanAllah, where uh, 100% your circumstance and environment shouldn't be an excuse for you not to uh, change or to become the, uh, to become like your environment. If, even if you are uh, 
in a bad environment, you can actually uh, change things around. Yes, it is much harder, but that shouldn't be an excuse for you. Uh, look at this uh, wife of uh, Fir'aun and how she made a dua, رَبِّبْنِ لِعِنْدَكَ بَيْتًا فِي الْجَنَّةِ Oh my Rabb, uh, build me a home with you in Jannah. Uh, so this is something that is amazing, you know, uh, the fact that she's in the house of Fir'aun and she's calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to build a home for her in Jannah. Imagine she was in the plush gardens and in the palace and everything that was there. It's available. She, she had no, uh, you know, reason besides her connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to turn to him. And uh, obviously she, she must have heard the... the, the uh, Dua of or the, 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 the da'wah of uh, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam when he came calling Fir'aun to uh, believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, etc. So the fact that she heard this da'wah and she believed in it, the circumstance and situation didn't stop her from uh, going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, turning to him. Uh, I think that, that gives a lot of hope to uh, reverts and people who are in homes that are non-Muslims, you know, they surrounded by non-Muslims, it gives them a lot of hope that, you know, this was a woman who became, who was ultimately mentioned in the Quran, uh, eventually centuries later, this is the type of uh, fadl and honor that she had. So this is something that they can derive strength from, that regardless of whom, you know, who is around you and how they're behaving and how they're maltreating you, etc. It doesn't matter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and uh, victories ultimately success is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're submitting to, to him. So uh, that is from him. And I think that's something that they can really learn from. Yes, and ultimately you will be tested in another verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do the people think that they will be left if they've just said, you know, we believe, amanna. Do they really think that it's just going to be like that without having a test and a difficulty and a trial? He then speaks about how the people who came before they had their trials and their tests and things were also difficult. So not all the time, but a lot of the times you find that, especially somebody, you know, they want to change their life. They want to become a Muslim. You hear so many stories of people who lost everything or left everything. This was from the time of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One example, Mus'ab ibn Umayr, radiallahu anhu, he was one of the you know, wealthiest of people in Mecca. His parents used to give him, his mother used to give him a lot. The minute he accepted Islam, then everything changed so much so when it was time to bury him. One of the richest of the time, they couldn't find a garment which could cover him fully. If they covered him from the bottom, his head would show, and if they covered him from the top, then his, his, the side from his feet would show. So this was the Sahaba, radiallahu anhu, again, Something very interesting you can do is read about these people, uh, whether it's the Anbiya alayhim salatu wasalam, followed by the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, pious people. You find when you read these biographies, you're able to detach yourself from the society you are in. And this is not only for new Muslims, this is for any Muslim or any person in general. You want to detach yourself from society, the difficulties, the hardship you see around you, try and you know, read something of benefit, read from the Quran, the stories of the Quran, biographies of the Anbiya, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the pious people, and you would find that you, you're able to come out of that environment and relate to what is going on in the
Absolutely, and that's the reason why we have these stories with us for us to benefit from and uh, take lessons. Yes, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Messenger all these stories we reveal to you, we inform to you about the Anbiya, etc. It's so, you know, we can keep you firm and we can keep you on, on the truth. It helps your heart to remain steadfast. Yes, uh, can we address a question that someone's asked about Ahlul Bayt? Are they from amongst the Sahaba? Or do they have a different level or status? The Sahaba radiallahu anhum amongst themselves, as we know, as mentioned by the Sahaba radiallahu anhum themselves, they would say that when it came to the Sahaba, we knew that Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu was the best. After that, Umar radiallahu anhu, and they say we used to talk about that. Thereafter, after that, after these two, we never used to do tafdeel. Some mention after that Uthman radiallahu anhu, and as we know later on, that's the order. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, Uthman ibn Affan, and Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam advised the people when it came to Ahlul Bayt, he told them to be good to his family members, those who followed, those who are from his family, and they believed, and they believed. What When it comes to Ahlul Bayt, we neither... And the Sahaba and the Anbiya in general, it's a rule. Take it as a rule. We don't give people more than they deserve, right? So we never ever say that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself reached a lordship where he called people to worship him, so we worship him. No. In the same way, when it comes to, uh, you know, the family of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, yes, they have a fadl, those who believed. They have a fadl, they have a virtue. But we don't go over the limits and also we are not like those who cut them to say no, they were like nothing. No, in the middle, as the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned that they have their fadl and he told us to be good to them. Same with the other Sahaba radiallahu anhum and same with the Sahaba in general as a whole. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, La ashabi. Don't swear these people, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. If they had to spend one mud or even half Right, one mood, if you put your hands together and you have to take out some grain like this, it would not be equivalent to what we had to spend, even if we spent the amount of Mount Uhud in gold. Right? Because they believed at a time. And this, subhanAllah, if you ponder over it, certain things happen at certain times. Allah opens this time or He leaves this time open and after a while it closes. Who He chose at that time was up to Him ultimately. He chose that these Sahaba, the best of creation, would be at the time of the best of people, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So these people, Allah chose them to come at a time and they believed at a time where others didn't believe. The, the very beginning of Islam, they then held this uh, knowledge and gave it to us. So when it comes to the Sahaba, all of them, we say, radiallahu anhum, we don't speak bad of any of them, whether it's Aisha radiallahu anhu, whether it's Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, Fatima radiallahu anha, Hassan wal Hussein, we speak good of all of them. What we are saying is we don't go to this extreme or that extreme, neither decreasing them in any way, nor giving them uh, things which they themselves didn't say we have with us. That's why it's mentioned that the grandson of Muhammad ibn Hanafiyyah, he asks Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu about the best person, and he says the best was Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, from the children, of Ali radiallahu anhu, he names Abu Bakr and Umar. 
So what more do you want? They themselves, amongst themselves, they had goodness and their relationship, you know, flourished. So what about those who came after? Another important point, we touched on it and we'll touch on it again, is that a lot of what's mentioned in the history books, especially the bad, there's, there's no true isnad to it. The story itself could have been fabricated. And as you know, when histories, they always say the, the, victory, the victors or the conquerors, they write the history books. A lot of what's mentioned is inaccurate. And from that, what's accurate, as we mentioned, where the Sahaba anhu, may have made a mistake or there may have been something between them, as we said that they are between two rewards and one reward. And added to that, some of them did good deeds previously, big, big good deeds that would wipe out any mistakes that came after. So, for example, the people of Badr, when Hatib, anhu, the Messenger وسلم, wanted to go to Mecca, Usually he, the people would know when he wanted to travel. This time he didn't tell anybody. When they got to know, he sent one of the women with a, a, a letter in her hair telling the people of Makkah that the messenger is going to come and this X, Y, Z will happen. So after they found out that Hatib anhu did this, Umar anhu becomes upset and he says, leave me, O messenger of Allah, to you know, strike the neck of this. He went as far as saying this hypocrite. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that how do you know Umar, what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala looked at the people of Badr and he has forgiven them. I.e. they've done good deeds before, so much so that these good deeds, big good deeds are able to wipe out any small mistakes that they have made. The Sahaba Radiallahu Anhum is a, you know, a topic where we are, we are not supposed to go further and get into details that are not mentioned authentically especially when it comes to speaking evil, because as we mentioned, once these pillars fall and people are able to, you know, throw doubt in them, then the whole religion itself falls. Absolutely, Sheikhana, 100%. These were the companions of the best of creation, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and radiyallahu anhum jami'an. We love them all and we respect uh, and. Like you said, we ascribe to them the level, their level, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accorded and afforded to them. So, jazakallah khair for that advice. Yeah. and I think we call it today. Inshallah, we meet tomorrow. Inshallah, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. And, uh, alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.